So we are in the middle of a series called Straight to the Heart. Uh, we started talking about this several weeks ago, and we said there are some things that are definitely on the heart of Jesus that are straight to the heart for us as, as a church, as Bay Area Church. And, and I, I mentioned to you, it's our heartbeat to see the Forby area saturated with the gospel uh, by the restoring of people, families, and churches in our uh, region. And the way that we think that that's going to be lived out, there's probably many ways through many churches, but one of the ways that we think that's going to be lived out is through the people of God here at Bay Area Church actually living the things that Jesus said we should live. And we talked, first of all, about kingdom partnerships a couple of weeks ago. Last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about gospel restoration, that idea that we have this message of hope in Christ that changes everything. People can be restored by it and transformed by it, and we simply need to bring it to them. This week, I want to talk about hands-on service, hands-on service. So um, to do that, we will read John chapter 13, 14 to, to 17. And I'll say on the onset that we are living in a culture that is riddled with um, the quest for self-actualization and fame. So maybe you're, you're not, maybe you'd think, I'm not, I don't care about fame. But generally speaking, we're in a culture that is riddled with the quest for fame, and it's rooted in pride. It's, it's some of it, you know, you'd think when you hear it, you would think it's not really like, like, like that bad. You know, just people just want to climb on the ladder as high as they can go, particularly in whatever way. But <clears throat> what we're going to find is that the message of Jesus and the, the how we should be living thing is so much different than how we typically think. And I want to engage that tension uh, today with all of you. And, and for those of you that have joined us online today, really grateful that you are here. And to do that, I want to use a picture of genuine humility and servanthood. Um, when you, just think about this. How many of you like decent customer service? Decent to good. I mean, I'd like, if I'm going to pay for something, I'd like good customer service. Uh, service. I'm a fan of Chick-fil-A simply because they say, my pleasure. Maybe you hate it. I don't, but I think it's, it's awesome, right? It's just like, wow, that's, that's amazing. It's a little thing. But in a culture that is like our culture, when someone actually lives a life that practices humble servanthood, hands-on service, I mean, it is so refreshing to the people around us, to the culture, to the to the neighborhood, to the community, to the church. And this is who we're supposed to, uh, to be. So if you would, stand with me and let's, let's read John chapter 13, 14 to 17. If you're our guest, we say this phrase, the very words at the end of the main text reading, just to distinguish God's word from my own. So here's what it says, beginning of verse 14 through 17. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You can be seated. 
So I just want to make three observations here. Really, we'll be looking at verses 1 to 20, but 14 to 17 are our primary. Now, I want to begin here, that this lesson that Jesus is teaching his disciples is of primary importance. And we know that because of the timing. John chapter 13 is an expansion of what we just read in Matthew 26. It is that moment where the disciples have gathered for the Passover. Jesus is going to say, this is my uh, blood shed for you. This is, my, this is my body. But John expands on that evening. He, we have every reason to believe this is the same episode. He expands on this evening, which must, must be a pivotal, a pivotal moment in the disciples' mind, especially as they look back. It's very full of pictures. Rabbis use timing to teach. They use timing to teach. Uh, anybody who's ever taught anything knows that timing is everything. If you really, if you're just trying to get them to fill in a blank, that's one thing. But timing is everything. For instance, I take people to, uh, to Israel and I, I will walk them around in the desert for a couple days. Uh, just to, to see if I can, you know, make them throw up. No, it's not, it's not really that. It's kind of that, but it's not really that. It's, it's, it's so they experience the desert. Because in the scripture, the, the picture of life is, guess what? Outside of the Garden of Eden, a desert. And so then we come like moseying up. We, 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 we come out of uh, the desert, and well, we're still in the Judean wilderness, and we come up this little valley, this little wadi, and then things start to be green there, and people will start hearing water for the first time a couple times. And then we get close to it, and they see a waterfall, and then we, we get in the waterfall after they've been in the desert for a couple weeks, and the timing is impeccable because if you've been in the desert for, 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 for a while, and then you find this waterfall, this cool, crisp water, and, and you teach, Jesus is living water in a desert called life. Timing, right? It's impeccable. That's what Jesus does all the time. This is about timing right here. So he's getting ready to go back across the Kidron Valley to Gethsemane. He's getting ready to be arrested, getting ready to be tried, go to the cross, all of those. And he takes time not only to say, this is my body and this is my blood, but to teach a, a, an important lesson that his disciples are going to need. It's a primary importance. It's a picture for later they cannot forget. If you look at uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, catch this, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So everything we're getting ready to see, John is relaying to us and he's telling us this is a picture of how Jesus loved us and how he loves us. So it, it continues. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's uh, son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking the towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what am I, 
What I am doing, you do not understand now, but afterwards you will understand. This is a picture for later. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head too. Jesus said to him, the only one, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but it is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That's why, that, that was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he, put, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments he re, and, and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Now, let's talk about that for just a minute. Do you understand what he just did to them? All right, so in John chapter 13, here's what we're going to find. Jesus is the greatest example of a humble servant ever. Jesus is the greatest example of a humble servant ever. He's the picture of hands-on service. And of course, this is oxymoronic because Jesus is also the sovereign king of the universe. Typically, you don't see the highest king washing feet. In this culture, particularly, the posture is very humble. And when I say humble, I'm not just talking about like humble words. I'm talking about a low posture that in an honor-shame culture is almost so humble that it's shameful. Right? You have to understand that in the first century, we've got an honor-shame culture in the East. This is a shameful posture in the sense that washing feet... In that culture, in that day, is for um, slaves and women. Gentile slaves and women. I had a weird, I could only think of the Hebrew in my mind and not the English, which was weird. It's like, goyim, goyim, goyim. No, Gentile. Gentile slaves. Okay. So, Jesus then, the sovereign king of the universe takes the place of a Gentile slave or woman in the first century culture in this picture. Now, not only that, you've seen the epic art of the Lord's Supper, right? So let me just describe it the way that I see it. It's a, a bunch of guys that don't look like the guys that were actually there who are clean and nice and holy, sort of halo-ish and uber white and don't look like they've ever walked anywhere in their life. And they're all sort of sitting at the table. And then this week, like Bernie Sanders was in that picture a lot. I don't know if you saw that, <clears throat> but he was. Uh, he wasn't there originally, just so you know. Um, but... That's not the picture. The picture is more like a triclinium table. So it's got three sides. Uh, there's, a, there's a place of honor. There's a the place for the chief servant. They're, everybody has a, has a spot. And the way that they sit there is that it's a low table. So they would sort of lean on one side of their leg. Their feet would be behind them. Their arm would be up on the table. And they would eat with the other hand. So when Jesus comes to wash their feet, their feet are behind them. So not only is the sovereign king of the universe washing first century Galilean feet, but their backs are turned to him, which if you just go to the Western Wall one time, you look at the, the most pious Jew. They come to the wall. If this is the wall, they come to the wall. They pray at the wall. They read at the wall. When they back out of there, they back out like this. Why? You don't turn your back on the king. 
And so now, that's the presence of God to them, the Western Wall. So now you have the disciples whose backs are turned to Jesus, feet behind him. And he, he is the sovereign king of the universe, washing the feet of first century Galileans who he's walked around the planet, planet with now for, for a couple of years. And their backs are turned. And that's why Peter is like rejecting this. Like, you're not going to wash, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus tells him, if I don't wash all of you, you're not with me. He's the greatest example of humble servanthood. Paul said it this way in, first, uh, I mean in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. He was writing to the church at Philippi, like the church at Bay Area. He's writing to, to the Christians in that region. And he says, have this mind among yourselves. Like, so this is how you should think. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If you've received Jesus, this is your mindset. Who? Though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, in the episode of John chapter 13, he's washing feet. It's a beautiful picture of what it means to be a humble servant. And he tells his disciples, if I, if I do it, do, you have to do it too. But he, he proves it not just with the towel in the upper room, but he proves it on the cross. Now, this is mind-blowing, this Philippians text, Philippians 2, 5 to 8. It's mind-blowing because Paul acknowledges this tension between the sovereign king of the universe and this... Uh, this humble, lowly baby born in a cave outside of Bethlehem that, that lived, you know, a, 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 a pauper's life, so to speak, and that died outside the city gate as an insurrectionist. I mean, of Jesus, it says that he, he was fully God. We know that from Scripture, but he emptied himself of that. He didn't consider it as he walked the planet, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. He emptied himself, and it said he became like a what? Like a servant. Like a servant. He humbled himself this way, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see, my brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus, we live a different way than the rest of the world. We live a completely different way than the rest of the world. We lower ourselves. We posture ourselves in humble ways, and we offer our hands as, as tools of, of Jesus, as servants. Now, the gospel is beautiful here. When he tells Peter, you know, if... If I don't wash all of you, you're not with me. I mean, Romans 5, 8, it tells us while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. I mean, for us, righteousness comes in belief and faith. And Jesus did that work hanging on a cross just outside the city of gate in Jerusalem, the excruciating every part of it, that we might be saved forgiven of our sin, experience mercy, be able to raise the, the wine or the juice and say, this is his blood that was shed for me. This is his body that was broken for me to walk with him now, forgiven of sin, uh, made righteous by him, not by ourselves, but by him. And when we die, when this body dies, we go on to be with him. All of that is beautiful and I'm grateful. And it only comes in his servanthood on the cross. 
He is the greatest example of a humble servant ever. Now, as his disciples, people who say, I follow Jesus, he is my Lord. As his disciples, we are called to the same humility and servanthood. We're called to that. Now, the original disciples knew ambition. They knew ambition. And James and John once had a discussion out loud where everybody can read. And, you know, we hear it even now in the 21st century. Which one of us is going to get to sit at your right hand and your left hand in the kingdom of God? Now, that's ambitious. I mean, because, you know, for a king, the right and the left, that's, those are positions of honor. I mean, they know Moses, they know Abraham, they know David. They know, you know, Elijah. But James and John, which one of us? They knew ambition. You know, Peter's always being corrected. Get behind me, Satan. Because of his ambitious chutzpah, they, they knew ambition. Jesus didn't want them to live for themselves. He wanted them to live like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He wanted them to demonstrate the same hands-on service that he demonstrated. And you see, a true disciple longs to be like his or her master. I mean, these kids, these Jewish kids, they were taught early on, like, you want to do your best in school and synagogue. You want to you you graduate and, and, and go follow a great rabbi. I mean, that was the, that was the goal. And if you can't, then go fish or make you know, stuff out of stone. But if you can follow a great one, follow him because that, if he says, come follow me, that, that means this, that he thinks you can be just like him. And so Jesus, he tells us in John 13, we can hear this rabbinic philosophy in John 13, 13 to 17. Again, listen to it. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, a picture, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is another way of saying, come follow me. Do what I do. And this is the call of every disciple of Jesus in every geography, in every generation. Come follow me and do what I do. So yes, we're involved in kingdom partnerships. It's straight to the heart. Yes, gospel restoration. We are all about that. And we do it in the context of hands-on service. We come with a towel. We take up our cross. We deny ourselves. And we follow him. Do what I do. Matthew 23, 11 to 12, it says, The greatest among you, Jesus said, The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is why hands-on service is at the heart of who we are as a church. 
Why do we, why do, we do that? Why do we practice hands-on service? Is it to get more people to sit in these chairs? No. We practice hands-on service with no strings attached. You, we serve even if someone never comes to our church. We serve even if someone never receives Jesus Christ as Lord. We serve with no strings attached. Why do we serve? It's not to get them to sit, sit, sit in this chair. I pray that they do, but it's not for that. We serve because Jesus Christ is Lord. We serve because Jesus Christ is Lord, because we call him master, because we Lord, call him Lord, because we call him teacher. And because we do those things, no servant is greater than his teacher. No servant is greater than his Lord. No servant is greater than his master. And if he does these things, we should do these things. So how do we serve? Well, we serve each other in the body of Christ. One. We serve each other in the body of Christ. In fact, just today, you have been serving and you have been served just today. I, I, I have no doubt. You don't know these, these guys and, and the tech team that, that are, made worship and music happen. They got here at 5.30 in the morning. They made sure everything was ready to go. Deacons came and they made sure that we had bread and juice and everybody was prayed over as we got here. There was a place and people to drop your kids because people were there offering hands-on uh, service. People opened the door. People this week sprayed stuff all over the place in here so you could worship in a safe environment so that your kids could be in safe classroom. They wiping down door handles and cleaning restrooms and all kinds of stuff just today because we serve each other when we're going through stuff we serve each other we hold each other up we, we we serve each other in the body of christ but not just each other we serve the people of our our community uh, the people we live among the people of our neighborhood so to speak i mean one of the most beautiful things i have ever seen in my lifetime, was in a moment of horrific tragedy. I walked to the end of my street, and the water was coming up, you know, and I have this little, uh, I have this tape on a stop sign that tells me, like, if the water gets to that line, my house is going to get flooded. So I was watching that tape, you know. It was during Hurricane Harvey. And I called, uh, no, someone called me and said, hey, uh, there, there are people on 518. They're just delivering them out of a neighborhood onto 518. What should we do? I called one guy, Greg Plummer. I said, I'm stuck in my neighborhood. Can you go open the church? He goes, yeah. What are you going to do? We're going to run a shelter. The shelter turned into to days of taking care of people, providing food and letting people sleep there and taking care of their pets and medical clinic and, and food from restaurants in League City that couldn't, couldn't use theirs. And then we, we established a distribution center and then we began to help people for weeks and weeks and weeks after Hurricane Harvey. And then 4BDRN was birthed out of all of that, that movement. We began to rebuild houses and all of that. This is beautiful. Why? Because it's just hands-on service, no strings attached. We love you. You know, it's just beautiful. But you don't have to wait for a storm. 
You know, living water, our, our ministry here, by the way, it comes from that picture of the desert I, I shared earlier. It's a biblical counseling ministry. They are counseling people every day. Do you know most of the people that come through living water don't go to church here? You'd think it's full of people that come to church here. No, it's about 80, 90% people who don't come to church here. And we get to pour into them, share the gospel with them, meet them at their point of need. We get to serve them. No strings attached. If they never come to church here, so be it. But here's the gospel. You know, it's, it's hands-on service. I saw a picture last week. One of our teams was taking a van load of snacks over to Ross Elementary because their snack, their, their, their um, snack pantry was low for kids who don't have the, the ability to bring snacks to school every day. And I, I didn't even know about it. I just saw it and I thought, this is, this is so, so great. You know, that people saw a need and met it. It's hands-on service, no strings attached. No strings attached. Yeah. Um, we serve the people of our community in our neighborhood, the real people that we're passing by every day. And we also serve anyone in our path. I mean, this is Jesus' teaching of the Good Samaritan. Like anyone in our path, we serve. We offer hands-on service. How can I help you? I want to show you some pictures. This is from uh, Two years ago, I believe now. So we took a, a, one of our teams from this church went to northern Lebanon and ran a camp for kids in the north. And all of these, camp, these kids at this camp were Syrian Muslim kids. And we taught them from the book of John all week in fun ways. And, and they, uh, this team did an amazing job. At the, the last lesson, the last lesson of the week, John chapter 13. And so you can see what's happening. These Syrian kids sit down, these Muslim kids sit down in the chair, and there is, no, there is nothing, nothing in the way between the Christian and the Muslim in that moment. The Christian is saying to the, 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 the Muslim kid, I love you. No strings attached. We had already taught them, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then we taught them John 13. And you know what those kids' reaction was? It's like, no, 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 you can't, you can't wash my feet. Why? Honor, shame, culture. Same culture. Honor, shame, culture. But we did anyway. And as we begin to wash their feet, you know what happened? They began to weep. Because intuitively, they knew this is love. When we practice hands-on service, be it in Lebanon or in your neighborhood or somewhere else that in your path all day, when we practice hands-on service, we are offering who Jesus is in a picturesque, tangible way. Do you think Jesus, said, when he fed the 5,000, said, uh, okay, now I just uh, need everyone to give $7.50 for that, that bread and fish. There was no strings attached. He said, come follow me. Some of them did, some of them didn't. This, when we come to people in humble servanthood, it gives us the opportunity for gospel restoration. 
It's one thing to preach at somebody. It's another thing to serve somebody with no strings attached and share with them the love of Jesus along the way. Hands-on service is at the heart of who Jesus is. Humble servanthood is at the heart of who Jesus is. And for us, it has to be uh, who we are as followers of Jesus right here in the Bay Area. One of the ways that we as a church uh, pray and hope that we get to serve beginning in the fourth quarter of 2021 is the establishment and the launching of a counseling center, not on this campus, but in the community for the community. Because the 4B area, this region right here, we have real mental health issues. We've been praying about this for a long time. We've, we've had an advisory team that's been working on this for a long time. The last couple months, the staff behind the scenes has been working diligently on this. We, we have meetings coming up just in the next week or two that are very important meetings related to all of this. Why do we even want to do that? That's not starting a church, starting a counseling center. Why? Hands-on service. We want to say to the whole community, if you never come to our church, we still want to offer you help and hope and truth. Because we love you. It doesn't matter what your background is, where you're from, what you're going through, how bad it is. We love you. It's hands on service. You can't walk away from John chapter 13, at least I can't. I don't think you can either. You can't walk away from John chapter 13 without asking some key questions. This one's hard for me. How do I serve my family? Like, do I, do I come like Jesus to my family? Do I lower myself in humble servanthood? Do I practice hands-on service with my own family, with those that are closest what about the body of Christ? How do I serve the body of Christ? Every one of us has the opportunity to serve every one of us through the body of Christ. How do I do that? How do I use my hands? What about the community? How am I, how am I demonstrating this humble servanthood in the community and with anyone on my path? Am I humble no matter where I am or what my position is in life? Do I want people to know Jesus? To me, man, the greatest picture of who Jesus is, and it's so contrasting to the culture, is hands-on service. And I know many of you, I'm looking at you, I know you have and you do, you practice this, but I'm just saying, as the culture gets louder and louder and louder and crazier and crazier and crazier, what if we just show up because they're going to realize they're all in a desert what if we just show up with a cup of cold water and practice hands-on service and remind them, Jesus said, anyone who's thirsty can come to me and drink. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and simply ask God to speak to you about your own life, about the people around you.
Lord God Almighty, thank you for giving us a picture of who you are through your son. Jesus, we want to serve like you. Fill us with your spirit fresh and new today. Give us creative ideas to know how to serve the people around us in ways that you would want us to. Father, give us the hands and feet to go the places and do that work that you call us to. Lord, give us a desire to love you well and love people well and to serve no matter what's going on around us, no matter the circumstance. Lord, help us to pick up the towel, to posture low, and to offer hands-on service. Jesus, we thank you for your service on the cross. Thank you for saving our souls. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for making us new. Thank you that you're coming back again. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.